Hey, good morning, Shavua Tov. Today's daf is daf Pei Dalad. And today's shir is Le'ilu Nishmas Yechil Moshe Ben Shabsai um, and um, Ben Sion Ben Ze'ev Avram Halevi. May their memory be a blessing and may their neshamas have an aliyah. Um, I'm going to go from the third last line of Pei Gimel Amud Beis, 83b. Um, so the Mishnah... Yes. Sorry, refer to Benjamin Ben Sarah. Please. And also for a full shleim of Benjamin Ben Sarah, may he have a complete and speedy recovery. Um, so the Mishnah was discussing um, certain ailments that if people get, are they allowed to break Yom Kippur and or break Shabbos or do Isurim to save a life? I mean, and the Mishnah said which will get delayed. But the one thing it mentioned was uh, Caleb Shota. It started off. Um, um, if a Kelev Shoita bites him, what's he allowed to do? Um, now, a Kelev Shoita, some people say it's like a rabbit dog. I'm not sure if that's really what it is, but it's some sort of a dog that has some sort of a disease. So the Mishnah Gomorrah states, There are five um, ways to identify a Kelev Shoita. Its mouth is hanging open. It's drooling. Its ears hang down. Its tail hangs on its thighs. It walks on the side of the streets. So it sounds like quite a down and out dog. Okay, so I'm not sure exactly what this is. Some say also when it barks, you can't hear its voice. What causes this? What, ha- what happens to the dog that it becomes like this? So Rav says that it's witches play with it. They practice their witchcraft on it. Shmuel says that it's an evil spirit that rests on it. Now both things make this dog very dangerous. It's meaning contact with spells or ruach ra. So my bene, what's the difference between Rav and Shmuel? The difference is, should you try kill it through something that you throw eye from a distance? If it's Ruach Ra, then you keep as far away as possible from it. So you would try shoot it with an arrow or throw a knife at it or something. But if it's just uh, Kishuf, then you can get up to it and stab it. Tanya Kavai said, the Shmuel is a price in line with Shmuel. As it says, When you're killing this Kelev Shoite, you don't. You must try kill it with something that you throw eye something from a distance. If this dog rubs against you, you're in danger. And if it bites, the person will die. So what do you do if this dog rubs against you? It says, Throw off your clothes and run seems it will leave the bad uh, spirit, will remain on the clothes, and you'll get away from the bad spirit. One of these dogs rubbed against him when he was walking, brushed past him when he was walking in the markers. He threw off his clothes and he ran. He said about himself, I fulfilled, wisdom keeps it's, uh, those who have it alive. I, if you have wisdom, an interesting phrase we see a few times over these daf, um, someone who has the wisdom how to react in a specific scenario and what to do, it can save their life. 
Wisdom looks after its owners. My takonta, so he said, if this dog bites a person, they will die. So what should they do? What's a takona? So we're going to read an interesting, uh, I would say more a spell than a cure, but interesting cure. says, Omar Bring the skin of a male polecat and write on the on the skin. I so-and-so, Ben, so-and-so, Ben is mother's name, on the skin, on the skin of a male polecat, I write to you. Kanti kanti kiloiris, v'omilo kanti kanti kiloiris, ko ko Hashem tzvokos, omen omen sela. I some sort of spell he writes on this uh, parchment. And then he removes his clothes and he buries them in a cemetery for 12 months. And then he, after 12 months, he removes these clothes and he burns them in an oven. And he scatters the ashes on the, on, at a crossroads. And for those 12 months, while his clothes are buried, before he gets to burn them and sprinkle them to finish off the cure if he's drinking from water he must drink from a straw it says a copper straw but i don't i think the main point is that he drinks from a straw in case he sees his reflection in the water he might see the reflection of the shade which will cause him terror and he'll become endangered like Abbar Marta, who is also Abbar Minyumi, after Lay Aimer Gufta de Dahava, his mother made him a golden straw. He made sure this happened to him. He was bitten by the stock and he had to do the spell. And while he was waiting for the 12 months before he could burn his clothes and scatter the ashes over the crossroads, he was careful to drink from a golden straw. Okay, now we move on to the next line of the Mishnah. So just um, another, so let me just go back and read the Mishnah quickly. Um, so just from the, I'll read from the beginning of the Mishnah, just the points we're going into now. It says, If someone is suffering from bulmus, that's an ailment from hunger. This is to do with Yom Kippur, if he's getting very starving. Um, then you can feed him even non-kosher. I mean, that would be at the best of times. And um, if he needs food, you can eat him until his eyes are restored. If he's bitten by a rabbit dog, he's not allowed, you're not allowed to feed him from the lobe of its liver. And says you can feed him from the lobe of the liver. I don't want to go into that. That the Gemara discussed in yesterday's daf. If someone gets this pain in their throat, this pain in their mouth, Someone to say it's kind of like scurvy, but it's some ailment in their mouth that, as we'll see later, can spread internally and become very dangerous. So if he gets that, on, you're allowed to give him medicine, which, remember, making medicine, and at least this medicine clearly consisted of melochas of Shabbos. I'm not sure, grinding, cooking, making a paste which is kneading. All these things could be surate or rice that were required to make the medicine, but you're allowed to give it to him on Shabbos. Because it is 
last Sophic Nefoshos, he might die from it. The whole Sophic Nefoshos, Doichecha Shabbos, and all Sophic Nefoshos push aside Shabbos. Um, so, Vod Amar Rebbe Manasseh, so now we're going on to the second teaching of Rebbe Manasseh. says, Rebbe Yochanan Chashbet Saftina. Rebbe Yochanan had this ailment Saftina that it starts in the mouth and you start to feel a bit sick. I don't know if it's in your throat or your teeth. And so what did he hosel Gabe Hahi Matranisa? He went to the certain noble woman and of the Milsa Chamisha Mali Shabsa, she made something for him on Thursday and Friday. Um, so he went to her on Thursday, he said, I'm sick. She gave him the medicine. He went to her on Friday, he said, I'm still sick. She made him the medicine again. And he took it. And then he said, Oh my Lord, Shabbos, my. He said, What will I do on Shabbos? He says, I can't come. I've got a shir to give. I'm in shul on Shabbos and I've got a shir to give. I can't come to get the medicine. So, Oh my Lord, she said to him, You won't need it. He says, Oh, my. He says, But what happens if I do need it? What happens if I'm not better? What am I going to do? So, she said to him, Take a shvur that you won't reveal the, the cure to anyone else. And, I'm, and then she says, I'll tell it to you. And then you, if you need it on Shabbos, you can make it yourself. So he took a shvur to the God, that. He took a shvur to the God of Yisrael. I won't reveal it. As soon as she told him the refuah, he went to give a public shir telling everyone the cure. Quite a lot of uh, shocking lines, which the Gomorrah is going to address. But basically, again, she said, I'll take, I'll let you, I'll give you the cure. So if you need it on Shabbos, you can prepare it for yourself. On condition, you take a shvur, you don't reveal it. The moment she went and revealed it, he went and he gave a public shir telling everyone the cure. He said, So he says, But didn't he take a shvur? How could he break his shvur? So he says, no, if you analyze his shvur carefully, what did he say? He didn't say, Yisrael. He didn't say, I take a shvur by the God of Israel. He says, I take a shvur, Yisrael, Magalina, that I won't reveal it to the God of the Jews. Hola, I'm Yisrael Magalina, but I will reveal it to the Jews. And that was his shvur. His shvur was, I won't tell the cure to Hashem, but I'll tell it to everyone else. He says, but what about the chil Hashem? Very fair question. He told us, he took a shvur, and then he tricks her and says, you know what, if you paid attention to the shvur I took, it wasn't really a valid shvur, and therefore, um, it's a chil Hashem. So he says, no, demigli lome he warned her. So before posting this cure on Facebook, and uh, sharing it on all his WhatsApp groups, he uh, told her, he said, you know that the shvur, so she was ready, she was prepared for it, so she says, you know the shvur that I took, um, wasn't a real shvua, and therefore, uh, um, and therefore, I'm I'm allowed to reveal it. And it seems obviously he, I guess, placated her, or she accepted what he said, and he went and he then told the shvua. So it wasn't achil Hashem. Just to bring out a few things from the story, um, one is, I mean, there's a big discussion. Was the shvur valid? Why is the Gomorrah concerned about the shvur? Remember, if you take a nonsense shvur, it doesn't count as a shvur. So if you take a shvur, I won't, um, I'm not going to tell Hashem. That's a nonsense shvur because Hashem knows anyway. And then a few other issues. If it's a mitzvah to save people's lives, if you take a shvur that you won't reveal it, that you won't save people's lives, well, that's also, you're not allowed to take a shvur against doing a mitzvah. Okay, so those are side questions just on the actual shvur. But just, um, but also what I found um, quite,
quite amazing. Oh, so so one thing. What happened at the end of the story? What ha- what was the line? So the Yerushalmi gives two opinions. One says she committed suicide. She was so depressed or so upset, distraught that she had lost her her golden cure that she used to make all her money. You can imagine a a fancy. Uh, yeah, um, that was, I think, one of the big things and one of the surprises in the modern society is that a lot of the companies who have developed their vaccines have to some degree shared the patents with other factories to be able to produce the vaccine so that they can produce it faster. But it's a big thing. You have a you have a cure, you have the gold in your hand. And she so she committed suicide. And the other opinion says no, she converted. She was so impressed with Rabbi Yochanan that he had the opportunity to use this to make millions. You know, he was one of the two people in the world who knew this cure. And instead, he just revealed it publicly to help people. So his altruism actually impressed her and she converted. Um, and then another thing that I, I was thinking about on this is we see what the, the Gomorrah said. So the Gomorrah is okay. It comes out, okay, fine. So to save, so he, it wasn't a real shua or the way the words he used in shua, he was allowed to reveal it to people. But it says, but if there was a chilul Hashem, he would not, it explains why it wasn't a Chilul Hashem, which implies that if it was a Chilul Hashem, he would not be allowed to do this, which is very important, I think, because a lot of people say, no, Pikach Nefesh, you can do anything. To save a life, you can do anything. We see very, I don't want to say very clearly, but it's implied in this Gomorrah that you're not allowed to do, save someone's life if it's going to cause a Chilul Hashem. That, I thought, was quite uh, um, that's, that I thought was quite a profound thing because I've heard, look, I don't know what's true and I don't know what people have done and stuff, but I've heard people come out with statements that you're, you um, were allowed to forge um, doctors' um, letters and stuff to say that you're part of a medical practice to get the vaccine a few months ago and things like that. And they said, it's Pikach Nefesh, so you're allowed to do it. If it would come out that the whole Jewish community is getting vaccinated based on these letters that they're all part of a medical practice and therefore they are uh, allowed to if it would lead to a chilul Hashem it's not necessarily a valid justification that it's to save lives I'm not judging I mean there are obviously lots of other factors would it lead to a chilul Hashem um, etc but I was just thinking that's quite interesting and quite pertinent um, and something to be aware of we're very quick to say for Pikach Nefesh you can do anything it's not so straightforward I mean, yesterday's stuff, we also had a thing where you're allowed to damage other people's property for, to save your own life. And that was also a discussion in the Rishonim, if you're actually allowed to do it. So it is something uh, to be aware of. Um, then the Gomorrah continues, says, My of delay. So what was the cure? It says, You mix uh, barley water, olive oil, and salt. Rav Yemar said, What's the potion? They make him potions. And what's the potions? He says, no. So all gufei shemen zaisumelach. Mix actual barley with olive oil and salt. Rav Ashi Oma Mashke de Gadfei de Avze. He says, no. It was applying the fat of a goat, of a goose, of the wing of a goose, um, to the throat or to the teeth where the pain was. Omar Abaya Anaadi Lakulavaloisasi. He says, Abaya says, you know what? I tried all of the above mentioned cures for this uh, this disease called Savdina, none of them worked. He said, bring this Arab merchant told me 
take pips of olives that had not grown to a third, the kalinu betanura, burn them in an oven, amira chadasa on a new uh, hoe or pick, the adbik bevedari, and stick the ashes um, to the row of teeth where this pain is. Of the hachiv isti, I did this and I was beitzi and I was cured. So that's, uh, okay, so it's a bit of a debate exactly what was the cure that Rabbi Yochanan did. What we do know is it's not so clear what it was. And also that you have to break Shabbos to do it. It says, Mimai Have, what causes this disease, Tzavdina? This says, It It's caused by eating very hot wheat bread. Or eating leftover fish ash. I, uh, old fish dishes. Be very careful of them. Or my Simone, what the symptoms? When he puts something on one of his teeth, blood flows from all those teeth. That whole row of teeth. So that's this disease. That's the symptoms of it. Rabbi Yochanan, and that's what we said earlier when Rabbi Yochanan um, was sick with Tzavdina, he did this b'shabsa, even though it was Shabbos for Itzay, and he was healed. Now, the, oh, what, what are we teaching? Obviously, you're allowed to do this. Obviously, we've just gone through a few things saying how dangerous Tzavdina is, and what the symptoms are, etc. But the, um, but what the Gomorrah is going to be bothered with is that it doesn't sound like a big deal, you know, on Shabbos. So what, you have a sore tooth, or your gum bleeds a little. You're allowed to break Shabbos. So how could he do this? It's starts in the mouth and it spreads to the intestines. So you're right. A mild manifestation of the Tzavdina is not necessarily dangerous. And at first it's not dangerous at all. It's a, what a, it's a little bit of a sore throat. Your tooth bleeds, your gum bleeds a little. It's nothing major, but it can lead to something dangerous. And this is very important. The post can bring out that it's not only if it's dangerous now, but if it can lead to a life-threatening disease, a life-threatening situation, you take care of it on Shabbos. So that's an important point. It's not, again, lots of people are, no, it's Shabbos and it's not life-threatening now. Oh, you know, it could be dangerous. Yeah, if it could be dangerous, then you break Shabbos and try cure it then and there. Um, okay, now just to f- understand the next line, I'm going to go back to point out a thing from the Mishnah. So the Mishnah brought Rabbi Manasseh teaching two halachas. The first halacha is taught that if someone is bitten by a keled shaita, this uh, bad dog, you can eat from the lobe of the liver of that dog as a cure. And the second thing he taught was that if you have this pain in your mouth, this tzavdina, you can um, you can make the medicine on Shabbos. So he taught those two things. And now Rabbi Yochanan making which seem to argue on the other opinion in the Mishnah. And Rabbi Yochanan making medicine on Shabbos seems to follow Rabbi Manasseh, which is a bit difficult because he should be following the Rabbonin. 
So that's what it says. Amalei Rabbi Chia Barabel Rabbi Yochanan command. Who are you going like? Karebi Manasya Ben Chorosh, like Rabbi Nasya Ben Chorosh. To Amar Chayshesh Betiv My Tilin Law. That if someone has this pain in his mouth, you're allowed to make the medicine. My Tilin Law is Sam B'Shabbos. You're allowed to make the medicine on Shabbos. It says, how can you do that? That's following Rabbi Manasya, Rabbi Masya, over. The Rabbonin. And we generally follow the Rabbonin in the Mishnah. He says, no. I hold that the Rabbonin agreed to this and they only argue in the other point. I, the sages agree that you're allowed to take this medicine for, or prepare this medicine for Tzabdino. And what the sages argued on and said it wasn't a real cure was eating the lobe of the liver of this Kelev Shoita. So again, of those two statements, you thought the rabbis were arguing on both of them? They're only arguing on does eating the lobe of the liver actually help? So on Malaysia, um, so that's what Rabbi Yochanan says. Oh, Lamele Messiah, I can bring a proof for Rabbi Yochanan. Misha, also Yorokon, Machilino Oiso, Bosso, Chamor. If someone has jaundice, you can feed them donkey meat. Misha, Nashko, Kelev Shoita, Machilino Oiso, Michotso, Kovachalo. If someone was bitten by this um, crazy dog, you can feed them from its lobe of its liver. And if someone has this pain in their mouth, you can make them medicine on Shabbos. That's the opinion of Rabbi Masya ben Chorosh. So remember, he listed three cures. Three uh, ailments and three cures. The Chachomim say, these do not have a cure. He could have said, None of these are valid refuas. Again, interesting enough, you're only allowed to take a medicine. We can, you can go into the details. That was more yesterday's daf. But you can go into the details of what constitutes a valid cure. But you can't break Shabbos to do some uh, crazy far-out made-up nonsense. And that's what they're arguing on. The rabbis say, these are not a refua. I Some of these says, Ba'elu lamuta my love. My lovely mute some. It must be they argue on the first two, I eating donkey to cure jaundice and uh, eating from the lobe of the liver of this Kelevshota to cure its bite. That's what they're arguing, but they agree you can make medicine for Tzavdina. It says, no, no, what the rabbis are arguing on is a fourth disease, and that is bloodletting to cure Sachrunchi. I'm not sure what that is. This actually is more logical based on the following price. It says, There were three things that Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi Yossi said he heard from Rabbi Masya Ben Chorosh. So he said you can do those three things. You can bloodlet for Sachruni, Sarunchi. You can feed you can feed them the lobe of the liver of this Kelev Shoita. And you can place medicine on Shabbos. Um, the rabbis say, no, these, some of these are not a good refuah. says, Ba'elu limutai mai, my love, love, astray bas, atarti basray se limutai deresha. They must be saying that these last two are not a good cure, but the first two are. I, it makes my sense. If I give you a list of three things, and then someone, and then I argue and say, but these don't work, most likely I'm going on the last two, which the last one was, making medicine on Shabbos for Tzavdina. You're not allowed to do that on Shabbos. So it must be that Rabbi Yochanan, 
um, that Rabbonon argue on Rabbi Matsi ben Kharash only with Sarunchi. Or, no, sorry, they agree with Rabbi Masya that you can take bloodlet for Sarunchi, but included in the list that they say doesn't work and is not, you can't do on Shabbos, or you can't do at all, is this medication for for this Sarduni, this disease in your throat. So Moran says, Lo atarti kamaise says, no, you could say that they're going on the first two, those are the ones that they argue on and say on do not work, but but in the first one, the last one, they agree with Rabbi Masya ben, ben Harash that it does work. And Toshma will bring a proof that this is so. Tani Rabbi Bar Shmuel, Uvra A woman who smells food, remember we learned this on Friday, you can feed her until she settles, her craving settles. Someone who's bitten by a Kelev Shoita, you can feed him from its liver lobe. And one who has this pain in their throat, in their mouth, you can make their medicine on Shabbos. With this one, you can do, and the others you can't. Bazua, hey, which one is Bazu going on? If you want to say that Bazu is focusing on the one that a pregnant woman who gets a craving, you can feed her. Well, obviously, there's no one who argues on that. Elalava sam, it must be going on the making the medicine for Satira on Shabbos, Mamina, and that's conclusive. Ravashi, Omar Ravashi says, Manisi nami daika, you can actually deduce it from our Mishnah. It says, Va'od Omar Rebbe Masya ben Chorosh, Hachoyshesh, Bepiv Meitin, and Osam Shabbos. And further, Rebbe Masya ben Chorosh says, you can make this medicine on Shabbos. Below Pligi Rabbonon Oleo, the rabbis don't argue on it. The im isa de Pligi Rabbonon Oleo, if the rabbis did argue it, then the rabbis should have lumped both. They should, it should have brought both teachings of Rabbi Manasseh and the rabbis argue afterwards. Shmamina, that's conclusive. I, just to go back to the flow of the Mishnah, the rabbis, um, the flow of the Mishnah is as follows, and then we'll understand Rav Ashi's deal. Again, the question is, so it says, if someone gets bitten by this Kelev Shota, you're not allowed to feed him the lobe of the dog's liver. Rebi Masya Ben Chorosh Mati, Rebi Masya Ben Chorosh permits it. Ah, you can feed the lobe of the liver. He holds it's a valid cure. Then it says, V'od Omar Rebi Masya Ben Chorosh, Hachoysha is Bigroina Matilin Osam, Besot Piv Beshabbos. And further, Rebbe Masya Ben Chorish says, if you have a, the saw in your mouth, you can make this medicine on Shabbos, etc. No, it should have. We see that the rabbis said their opinion. Then Rebbe Manasya says his opinion. And then it says, and further, Rebbe Manasya says, it sounds like it's a totally different discussion, which is how we're learning. And yes, the rabbis agree for this, this opinion that it works. So it comes out for Tzavdina is considered life-threatening. Everyone agrees. Rabbis agreed to Rabbi Masya that you can make medicine on Shabbos for it. Okay, then the Mishnah stated, now it sounds a bit elaborate. It says, why are you allowed to make this medicine on Shabbos? Because it's laugh-threatening. It could be laugh-threatening. 
says v'chol, and then the Mishnah continues, and this is the redundant part, v'chol sofeg nefoshos, doches ha-shabbos, and everything, anything that is life, that could be life-threatening, pushes aside Shabbos. So the Gemara is going to ask, obviously, once you've told me you can make this medicine on Shabbos, which I know is breaking Shabbos to make this medicine, as we learned, it's, it's uh, burning stuff, it's cooking, um, so you're allowed to make this medicine on Shabbos because it's a sofeg pikuach nefesh. What do I know from there? That Sofik Pichuach Nefesh pushes aside Shabbos. So what's the Chidush? Why does it have to elaborate and then say, because anything that is Sofik Pichuach Nefesh pushes aside Shabbos. He says, Lamalu Tula Meimar, that's what the Gemara says, Lamali Tula Meimar, why do we have to say further, but call Sofik Nefoshos Doiches Shabbos. Anything that is Sofik Nefoshos pushes aside Shabbos. So Omer of Yudah, Omer Rav, Reb Yudah said in the name of Rav, Says, no, what it's teaching us is not only if it might be dangerous on Shabbos that you push aside this Shabbos, you even push aside another Shabbos. Hey, dummy, what's the case? They evaluate that he's going to need to have medicine for eight days. The course of antibiotics that he has to take, we're assuming he has to make the antibiotics fresh every day and break, and obviously it includes breaking Shabbos, is for eight days. But you might come Shabbos, and this, this is the first day of Shabbos. So you might say, wait till Motzei Shabbos, so that you don't have to break two Shabboses. Kamashmanana comes to teach us that you can break two Shabboses. Obviously, if someone's going to die on this Shabbos, you do what you can to save his life. But what happens if he'll definitely survive the Shabbos, and he'll survive well into the week? So who says you can break two Shabbos, this Shabbos and next Shabbos for him? So that's what the Shidosh is. No, you break Shabbos, you do it immediately. You start the refuah now, even though it's Shabbos, and even though you're going to have to continue it for eight days and break another Shabbos. You still start, you don't delay and wait till Motzei Shabbos. That's how, that's if it's a Sofek, you do it. It says, Tanya Nami Hachi, we learn a similar thing in Hebraism. Cook, boil water on Shabbos for a sick person, whether it's because he needs to drink it or whether because he needs it to increase his strength. Not only for this Shabbos, even for another Shabbos. And we don't say, wait, you know what? I see you sick on the Shabbos and the ailment that you have might be life-threatening, but let's just wait till Motzei Shabbos. <coughs> we don't say that. You heat the water up for him immediately. Because even if it's a doubt, if it will be dangerous, it pushes aside Shabbos. Not only this Shabbos, but even if it's a doubt that you might have to break another Shabbos, you do it. Now we come on to a new halacha. So that's, that's as we've seen so far. That you can even break this Shabbos and next Shabbos. Knowing that you'll also have to break next Shabbos for him. You don't say wait till Motzei Shabbos. Let's see how you're doing then. Um, changing the gears today. You don't do these things. Through a non-Jew or through children, El Al Yisrael, rather through adult Jews. Okay, now let's just study this quickly. Um, 
Let's finish the price and then we'll come back. We don't say rather let women do it or let Kutim do it. We do join them to Das Acheres. Okay, so what does this Das Acheres mean? So Rashi seems to learn that you can't listen to a woman or a Kuti to tell you that you need to break Shabbos for this person. He seems to just have a sore throat. You can't just break Shabbos for someone with a sore throat. What happens if a woman tells you, no, it looks like Sabdino or something that could be life-threatening? So Rashi seems to say you don't listen to her. But you join it to another opinion. Right, let's say three people say, three men, regular Jewish men say, it's not life-threatening. And two Jewish men say it is life-threatening. And this woman also says it's life-threatening, or this kuti, then you join her opinion. That's how Rashi seems to learn. It's quite difficult. Um, there are two other girses that I want to discuss. Um, the Rosh brings them all, um, but so the one he brings is that... Um, That, that what this what it's really saying is that no, a woman's opinion is the same as a man's. If a woman tells you it's life-threatening, it's the same as if a man told you it's life-threatening, and you join them to permit breaking Shabbos. That's the thing. And then the third opinion, if I remember correctly, I think this is the one that's brought in Shulchan Aruch, um, that it's that what it's saying is um, don't do it through a Noshim or through Kutim, don't leave it to a Noshim. Don't say, well, should I do it or should a woman do it? Let me rather let a woman do it. Don't do that. And there are two reasons given. I think the one's based on the riff and the one's based on the rambam. But there are two reasons given. The one is, if you tell someone, look, I don't want to do this malach on Shabbos. You go and do it. They might think that you're not really allowed to break Shabbos. And next time, and, and they'll be lazy. They'll be hesitant to do it. So you don't tell... Let's say there's a woman, there's you or your wife, and you're debating who should drive the sick person to the hospital. So you don't tell the woman, you know, rather you should do it. Because then maybe they feel that you're reluctant to do it, and they're going to be lazy and not as quick because it's breaking Shabbos. That's why you didn't want to do it. And another reason given is, uh, I think another reason almost on the opposite of this is that if you give it to woman or kutim or something, they'll think, oh, Shabbos isn't so strict. And therefore, they'll treat Shabbos lightly. So rather you let other people do it. Which is interesting because, and this would tie into how do you understand that phrase, Gedola Yisrael. Most seem to understand it as adults. Adults themselves. But um, the Rambam, at least the one way of reading the Rambam, is that it means, rather let Talmidei Chachomim. Who should you? You have two people. You have the Rav of the Shul, or the congregation who need to go and break Shabbos to save someone up, the Rav of the Shul should do it because he knows to take Shabbos as seriously and it's just because of Pikuach Nefesh that he has this leniency. Okay, but that's a few interesting things that come out um, with this. The Gemara is going to carry on along this lines. I just want to quickly read to you what Shulchan Aruch says on this, this exact point. So it says, When you are breaking Shabbos for us, so this is Shulchan Aruch, Siman Shin Chof Ches, as if you'd base it says when you're breaking Shabbos for a Khoilash Yeshbosakona, Mishtadlim Shalod Lasos Alita Ainom Yuhudim Uptanim Venoshim. You should put in effort that you don't leave it up to non Jews, children or women. El Alita Israel Gatolim of Naidas. Rather about adult Jews who have Das. Says Vyesh Oimrim and the reason the Mishabur explains, but based as we've written, because firstly you don't leave it up to um 
to don't say rather leave it for a non-Jew or rather leave it for someone else because then you're going to delay. Um, yeah, well, let me rephrase it with a slightly different question. If there is a non-Jew, let's say you're in shul and, there's, and you can drive them to, or you there, you can drive them to the hospital, or there's a non-Jew who can drive them to the hospital. Who should drive them to the hospital? Should you rather let the non-Jew or should you rather do it? Let's say you need to boil water for someone who's a choyle shiyesh basakona. Should you do it or should you ask the child who's right there to switch on the kettle? So, interesting, Tosfos say you should do it. Because you know the importance of saving a life and you won't be lazy. It's the top Tosfos on the page. He says, Sorry, um, I'm just reading. Don't leave it to a non-Jew or someone else because they might be lazy. And they'll come to danger. Um, interestingly, I've heard, I haven't seen it, but apparently um, Hatsola drivers and the drivers of the ambulances are the best, most efficient drivers. The non, uh, non-Jewish ambulances and non-Jewish drivers driving on an emergency are not as efficient and don't take their... It's as important to rush and get every second, every minute they can. So, I mean, that's exactly what Tosos is saying, that if you leave it to someone, even if they're capable and even if they're careful, they won't, they'll be satsal, they'll be a little bit more lazy, a little bit more slack, not as Zoris, not as alacritous as the Jew. And that's the one opinion. Another opinion, he says, is... If I say, you know what, call the child, call the non-Jew, even though they're right there, other people are going to see this and think, oh, you shouldn't really break Shabbos. And we don't want people to think that. We want someone to know if a choyled needs life-threatening intervention, or sofek nefoshes, even if it's a doubtful, you intervene. And we don't want them to think, well, last time we used a non-Jew, we better go look for a non-Jew this time. No, you do it immediately straight away. Um, however, there is a third opinion, which is what the Ramor, I'm not going to read it inside anymore, but what the Ramor brings here, he says that the, where all things being equal, you actually should ask a non-Jew. I, you can switch on the kettle for this, there's a choyle who needs uh, hot water, and you can switch off in the kettle, or the non-Jew next to you can switch on the kettle, rather ask the non-Jew. This that we said you should rather do it through a Jew and not through a non-Jew, is where you have to go look for the non-Jew, or it will delay things. That's where you don't. Um, and the, the Ramor says that's the... Uh, um, sorry, so um, the Ramor says that where possible, all things being equal, you should ask the non However, the Mishra Brewer brings the Taz, and he says this is not a Minag Vosikin, this is not a minag, an old Minag or a Minag of the pious. He says, Even if you're able to do it through a non-Jew, the Jew will be more alacritous, more Zoris. Therefore, even if it's a doubt whether you will save him, but he's clearly in danger. Anyone who is Zoris, it is praiseworthy. And I think that's the, that's the bottom line of this whole discussion, is you do what's necessary to save the life, even if it's a sophic, whether his life is in danger, you do what is necessary with as much enthusiasm as you can. You don't hesitate, you don't think, should I rather get a non-Jew, should I rather, you know, someone needs stitches, the doctor shouldn't think, should I rather do the stitches with my left hand, because that's, irregular way of doing it, etc. No, you go ahead and you do it. Um, obviously, there is room to say, like we've said, 
if all get a non-Jew, get a you know, do it in an unusual way. Um, should you may can you wait for a woman or not? No, the main rule is so there are all those debates, but the main rule is do it as quick as possible, whether it's a man, whether it's a woman, and if you're a rav or an influential person, then there's an especial reason that you should jump and be as enthusiastic and set an example to show people how important it is to save a life. And on the flip side, it will, you will also know to treat Shabbos, just because you break in the Shabbos, you'll be treat, careful to treat it seriously next Shabbos. Okay, let's carry on. We get involved with Pikuach Nefesh on Shabbos, and the more Zoris a person is, the more enthusiastic a person is, that's praiseworthy. So the person who jumps in the car first to drive the choyle to the hospital, that's the per- that's praiseworthy. You don't have to ask Beisdin. What do you mean? He says, If you see a child um, who fell into the sea, you spread a net and you bring him up. And the quicker you do it, Harazim Meshubach. The Ainsorik Litor Shuzmi Baizdin, you don't have to get permission, you don't have to ask a Rav or anything. Oh, what, what's that coming to you? Even if you trap in fish at the same time, oh, you throw your net in to bring the child out, the run goes as far as to say that even if you excite her, oh, look, I'm going to save this child, and at the same time, I'm going to catch a whole lot of good fish. Go ahead and do it. It says, If you see a child falling into a pit, if you see a child falling into a pit and I stuck at the bottom, you remove the rim and the more enthusiastic, you quicker you do it, the better. And you don't have to ask a child, you don't have to ask basically. Even though you're improving this bar because now you've made a step. Doesn't matter. It says, If you see a door locked before a child, you can break it and the more enthusiastic, the better. And this is even where you're happy to break the door down because now you get the planks of wood that you were going to do it anyway. Break the door down to get the planks of wood to use them for something else. You still do it on Shabbos to save the child. You can put out the fire or set up Kalim in the way. Even though you'll be making these calls that you'll be so excited to use them on Shabbos. Ah, you see the oven, you see the bright place start, the fire starting to spread um, badly. You can do what you need to get the fire out. Tosos elaborate, what's the thing of bringing Kalim so that the to stop it, you know, can't, we know you can just pour the water directly on. You don't have to do it indirectly. So he tells us, he's saying, no, even if you have to, you might think that if you have to bring the kalim from another house and run through the street with carrying things, people might can't see exactly what you're doing. So maybe you're not allowed to do No, you can take those kalim to put out this fire, even though it's going to suit you after Shabbos to have all these coals. So you're very excited to be able to put out the fire. And um, you break Shabbos to do it, obviously, to save because their lives in danger if this fire spreads. Vitzricha, we need all... Oh, just one more thing. What's the, what's the problem if a child's in the bottom of a hole or locked behind a door? Child gets locked in the bathroom. Why do you have to break Shabbos to get him out? So Rashi says, and this is how all the boys came, the child's afraid. And if he gets very scared, he might die of fright. Uh, interestingly, we're taking this emotional... 
thing that will lead to the detriment, that will lead to death of the child, quite seriously. I mean, I was thinking about this recently in light of, uh, um, I, I read an article of teenage suicide with all the homeschooling and stuff and no mixing, no friendship and real um, socializing. The teenage suicide increased over Corona. So I was like, why, again, I'm not going into the technical details, and obviously it's a lot more to discuss, but if kids are going to start committing suicide, if it's going to leave long-term emotional scars or damaged children, get them depressed or everything, then it's not so straightforward to just say, oh, because of Pikuach Nefesh, they must stay at home alone. As we see here, if a child is, I mean, here we're speaking about a case of a, I'm sure a younger child who's locked in the bathroom or stuck at the bottom of a hole, they're going to be terrified. And they might die from that fear. But again, we see that it's an emotional trigger that's going to cause a thing and we take it into account. Okay, but let's carry on with Shricha. We need all three of these. Maybe by the sea, why do we need all these cases? It's basically the same thing. You break Shabbos and you don't ask the Shala. It says no, because if we only taught the case of the child who fell into the sea, if you go ask a Shala, the child will go in the interim. He'll disappear in the interim. But maybe by a child sitting in the bar, you would think, let me go ask the Shala. The child's still going to be there when I get back. He's not going anywhere. He's not going to be drowned. He's not going to be washed away. It says no, you just save him. Says, oh, but and if you just brought the case of him sitting in the hole, that's because he's in terror, he's stuck at the bottom of a dark pit. Oh, he might die. But if he's locked in the bathroom, maybe he's busy playing with the bath toys. Who says he's even afraid? Or you can try to distract him and play with him from the outside of the door. So he says, No, you still you just you don't take the chance, you break the door and you save him. And Mavchin Umasikin Lamali, also why do we have to teach the case on Mavsin Umasik? Of you can put out the fire. Says, Granted, there's no one and no danger in this. You're still allowed to put out the fire now in case it will spread and put other people, Rashi says, like elderly or young children who won't be able to evacuate quick enough in the next door property. You can put out the fire to save them. I mean, as I mentioned in Maseche Shabbos when we were learning this, we know that Allah is you're not allowed to put out a fire on Shabbos. And if you look there, all these strict requirements and dinim and how you're not allowed to put out a fire on Shabbos. Again, we see you are allowed to put out a fire to save a love. And in practice, it basically comes out nowadays. You put out the fire because of how we don't know how they spread. We don't know how we know how dangerous fires are. You don't know where a child is sleeping in the next door room or the next door house. So you put out the fire. Um, but that's uh, there's other factors like Ava. Not um, animosity from neighbors, non-Jewish neighbors, etc. So you put out the fire. We don't follow the majority when it comes to pikuach nefesh. Hey, what do you mean we don't follow? Now, generally, with all our lochas, you follow the majority. So what do you mean here? So it's no. The case basically discussing is, let's say a building collapses. And you need to go and save a life there. Can you break Shabbos? So he says, let's say there are nine Jews and one non-Jew. Oh, well, a majority of Jews. So obviously you can um, break Shabbos to save them. He says, Let's say there were five Jews and five non-Jews, half-half. Well, Sophic and Foshas, you're not sure whether the people you're saving are Jews, Jews or non-Jews. You definitely save them. It must be where there were nine Kutim and one Jew. 
Oh, no, that's Kavua. The halacha is that if you have people in their set place, let's say it's where they live, it's the building where they live and it collapses, you break Shabbos to save them, even if there's one Jew and nine non-Jews, because it's Kavua, it's viewed as 50-50. says, no, the parish says where he left to another room. Oh, what would you have thought? Oh, so one of the people went into the next door building and the next door building collapsed. Now you might say, oh, so is that person the one Jew who lived next door? Or is it of the non-Jews who live next door? Now if it was to do with kashrus or something, we would say it must be from the majority. But with Bikuach Nefesh, you go ahead and you save it. Any, is that true? If there were nine non-Jews and one Jew in that Chotzer, then you save them. But if they move to another Chotzer, you can't save them on Shabbos. No, here it's where they all separated and here where it's they did where only some of them separated. I, if all the people who were lived in that building went to the next door building, there's definitely a Jew there. So obviously you can break Shabbos to save him. The case where he said you can't break Shabbos is where only some of the people went from this building to the next door building and the next door building collapsed. There it's not necessarily a Jew. And there you're not allowed to break Shabbos to save them. Oh, Umi Omar Shmuel Hachi, did Shmuel really say that you follow majority? If you find an abandoned child in a city. Now, how do you view that child? He says, If a majority of them are non-Jews, you know what, let's actually leave this piece for tomorrow. I was hoping to finish the sugya today, but we'll leave it for tomorrow. Have a very good week. Shavuot Tov.